Thank you for listening to this message by Pastor Chad Randall at Life Story Church. We are a grassroots church located in the heart of the Bellevue community in Nashville, Tennessee. Our services are streamed live on Facebook and YouTube every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. and Wednesday, 7 p.m. Central Time. We would love for you to join us. Now here's Pastor Chad Randall. In any case, Jesus, that's who I'm talking about. Jesus, let's talk about King Jesus today. Are you on board? Woo! All right, King Jesus. He was specifically king of who? Initially, initial titles. King of, Ron, you're a Jew. The Jews. The king of the Jews. But what does it mean to be king, church? What does it mean to be king? We're going to do a perspective challenge, uh, challenge today. So I want you to think of my presentation today. Sometimes we just go through the Word of God, and we go chapter by chapter, line by line, and we tear it apart, don't we? I love that. Today, this is a perspective challenge for you. Our nation finds itself torn. Torn. Each half engaged in a struggle for power and the right to have their candidates, right, their people's representatives sit on the proverbial throne. The nation is at war with itself. It truly is. As much as we might want to pretend that it's not, as much as we might want to think, well, war, really, I mean, there's no tanks rolling down the street or anything, right? No, church... Not yet. <laughs> this church, church, this nation is at war with itself and China. <laughs> did you see the rally yesterday? Yeah. I mean, did you see the rally yesterday? Actually, I've got a picture of it. Can I see that? Wow. And that's just half of it. The camera swings back to the right. But this is kind of facing off the left. Whoever took this photo, this is just their left perspective. If you swing it to the right, it's the same to the right. <laughs> My goodness. So you saw the rally. You're aware of the rally. Some of you are probably encouraged by the rally. Some people watching this online were probably terrified by it. <laughs> you saw the rally. But let me ask you this. Did you see what happened after the rally? Can I see that next picture? Church, this is light and dark. Over this past summer, we did a sermon series. I can't remember which one it was, but we talked a lot about the fact that this nation is at war with, in a spiritual sense, light and dark, didn't we? There is a spiritual war that is being waged among us, and it's being waged for the hearts and the minds of the people. It's ideological it's religious, it's spiritual. That's what you're seeing right here. Let's, let's, let's just be straightforward. These people call, that are causing this violence, that's not your average Democrat voter, right? These are, these, these are people that truly, truly have a hatred in their heart, truly are operating in hate, okay? Well, I'm just going to put a pin in that. We'll come, get back to that, okay? This is all reminiscent, honestly, this is all very reminiscent to me of Matthew chapter 10. We're not going to get into that today, but brother against brother, father against son, 
right? Household against household. We, maybe we'll do that Wednesday night. In ancient Israel, in ancient Israel, the people had a few expectations for their king. And I do mean few. It wasn't, honestly, believe it, really, only a few. Uh, not a whole list, just a few. However, they were, as we say, big-ticket items. Big-ticket items. The kings of Israel and Judah were believed, were, uh, the kings of Israel and Judah, they were believed to be uh, representatives of Yahweh, God Most High, God the Father. They were believed to serve as his agents on earth to rule their nation, all right? That's important for you to understand right away. They were expected to do a few things. They were expected to observe and enforce the covenants, uh, observe and, uh, and enforce the laws to defend the nation and to engage in an offensive war when deemed necessary and to rule the people with justice and righteousness. Some big ticket items, huh? So it wasn't a lot, it wasn't a long list, but some, a pretty important list. So let's take a look at that real quick. I've got the, I wrote it out for you. So if you're a note taker, write this down today. What does it mean to be king to Israel? It meant this. It meant to observe. It meant to enforce. It meant to defend and to be just. To be just, church, on the side of justice, in other words, and to be righteous. Be in right standing with God is what that means. This was the king that the Roman-occupied Jews at the time of Jesus wanted. That's what they wanted. But it was not the king that they received. He who had been born king of the Jews was indeed righteous. He was indeed. He was just. And I would even say he was very observant. But he did not enforce the will of the people upon the Romans. That, <laughs> did he do that? Would you say he did that? It'd be a hard no, right? He didn't do that. So how did they receive him in the end? Now, he made most of that list. He was observant. He observed, right? He was just. He was righteous. But he didn't enforce the people's will on the Romans. How, you know the answer to this question. How was he received ultimately in the end? Thank you. I'm going to get you guys talking today. Not well, I would say, right? He was not, not well was he received in the end. This is why, church, it is so important, so important to understand the word of God in context and why we say that till we're blue in the face around here. I've said it a million times. Often in life, we only hear what we want to hear. Isn't that true? Not you, surely, right? But often in times, we only hear what we want to hear. Has anybody in here, ask you a question, anyone in here ever had a friend that just refused to see what you see? Yeah? I'm asking you if you have a friend because I know nobody in here or watching at home has ever had that problem. So if you've had a friend, maybe we can get somewhere. <laughs> you know, I always think of, there's been a lot of that going on lately, hasn't there? It seems like each half of this nation has friends in the other camp, and each one is arguing, don't you just see? Don't you just see? Don't you just see? I actually saw a meme 
Uh, do you guys remember the movie The Matrix? Yeah? Yeah? Remember in that scene, there's that scene where uh, uh, Neo is waking up. He's just been woken up for the first time, come out of his little pea pot or whatever, right? And they take him out of the matrix, and he tries to get up and open his eyes, and he says, oh, why do my eyes hurt? And Morpheus says to him, because you've never used them before. <laughs> I think a lot of us are feeling that way today. I believe that the people of Israel, the people of Israel wanted what they wanted. They wanted what they wanted, and they'd, they'd validate those desires with Scripture, uh, that they had either cherry-picked out of context or misinterpreted to fit their own desires. The religious and civil, uh, civic leaders, traditional or zealous, whatever they were, they all had their reasons to infer preferred meaning onto different scriptures. You understand what I'm saying? Maybe where I'm going a little bit? And the masses, the masses, the everyday Israeli citizen, the masses suffer for not doing their own homework. As they always do, so many church have been, have been hurt by this abuse. I think that we're witnessing that in this country right now. I think that is what we are witnessing in this country. We're witnessing it politically, and we are witnessing it religiously. Politically, why do I say politically? Well, for generations, I think that we've been given, honestly, uh, f- false choices by the military-industrial complex. Oh, well, George Bush is the good guy, or no, John Kerry's the bad guy, or John Kerry's the good guy, and George Bush is the bad guy. And they were basically the same guy. We've been given false choices for generations here, church, all right? Politically, yeah, false choices. Uh, We trust on a, a press to give us the facts and give us the truth. We have for generations. Well, why do you believe what you believe? Well, Tom Broca said so. I mean, did you read the report, though? Did you, like, check his sources? Or was he just building a narrative that he wants you to believe, right? They've been doing that a long time, church. You think that we, we all, I mean, just the average person, I don't care what side of the aisle you're on politically, everybody in this country, nobody trusts the press anymore. I mean, you can, you, can, you can go up and down. You take uh, polls, whatnot. Yeah, I know you can't even trust polls anymore, but you take a poll. Nobody trusts the press. It's like Congress and the press, you know? Nobody trusts Congress. The press is right about there. So for generations, we've been given false choices. We're, we're relying on somebody else to tell us what to believe. We take everything at face value, and ultimately what happens, we think what they want us to think. And that's how we arrive at this place in our nation. I say religiously because the same thing happens in the churches, right? People cherry-pick scriptures, they take them out of context, they infer their meaning on it, whether they're trying to drive up the tithe or make you feel guilty to make sure every time you don't make it to service, whatever it is, guilt has been a horrifying tool that has been used in the evangelical church for the last, I don't know, forever. I was going to say 100 years, but forever, really, right? If you've tuned into any of these Wednesday night studies that we're doing through the letters to the churches in Revelation, you know the church has a dark history. Why? Because it's men. 
kings of men, right? That's what we're talking about today. Now, Jesus is the gift that he... King Jesus is the same today as he was 1,000 years ago, 6,000 years ago, forever ago, right? The kings of men, no. They're always up to something, aren't they? So this is where we're at politically, religiously. People have found themselves not doing their own homework, and they suffer for it. They just take a pow- Don't take my word for any of this stuff, by the way. When we st- we're going to jump into Isaiah here in a minute, so if you want to get a head start, you can open your Bible to uh, Isaiah. <laughs> Don't take my word for any of this, right? What, your pastor Chad was really fired up. He got me excited. It affected me emotionally, <laughs> right? I'm really inspired. I think what he thinks. Well, why? I mean, because I, I spent... 12 hours putting 45 minutes together for you guys, right? Now, I want you to go and find that 12 hours of research. That's what I want, right? And can I just say this, side note? Please don't study websites more than you study your Bible. Okay? If you don't have a good study Bible, get a good study Bible. And if you're like, well, I don't know which, what translation should I get? Which study Bible translation is the best? Whichever one you wear out, because the gospel is in all of them. And I have my preferences, New King James, you know, anything based on the Textus Receptus, the Christian Standard Bible is great, all this stuff, right? But they all have Jesus and the gospel of grace in them, all right? So study that word, study it in context, use a study Bible, learn context, who, what, when, where, why, right? Right. Don't we all want a just king? Amen? Or I'll say it this way then. Uh, I could say it this way. Don't we all want just and righteous politicians? Or should we let the CIA keep picking our leaders? Just got banned from Facebook. Uh Uh-oh. Now think about the Israelites here for a second, all right? Think about the Israelites. They have a prophecy that this king will come. Everything I told you they're expecting, they're wanting. He's going to come and he's going to set everything right. I don't know how many I've talked about, I've talked with you, how many of you I've talked with, and you said, I just want some justice to be served for once, right? Think about about these guys, right? They have this prophecy, the king will come and he's going to set everything right. Every deed punished, every injustice will be put right. Peace and safety will return upon his appearing. Now think of them in the context of being occupied by a foreign government. Think of Chinese tanks driving up and down Pegram or Bellevue or wherever, right? Occupied. And they, read, they, they were looking for this job description of the one who would liberate them from Rome, all right? So how bad do you think that they wanted that? Bad. So how easy do you think it was for the passionate uh, to misread the scriptures? Easy. Or how easy do you think it was for the wicked to mislead the masses? Whether it was ignorance, done in ignorance, or they're ignorantly cherry-picking verses because they wanted it so bad, or whether they're being misled by a wicked teacher. What do you think has happened to these poor, 
hate-filled souls that are terrorizing our streets today. They've been indoctrinated, right? We've got to realize that. We just watch the news and we're like, oh, I mean, just I, my heart was broken to see the violence. The people who had been at the rally, whether you support them or not, they're just trying to walk to their hotel and there are being rocks thrown at them. Some, that picture I showed, that guy was sucker punched and cold cocked and knocked out, right? All that. It's hard to watch and not just want vengeance. Amen? But what brings a person to that place where they are the offender, where they are in Tifa? Hmm? They have wanted it so bad, they have believed what they wanted to believe. Like I said, today is a perspective check, right? I want us to, this is a perspective challenge, okay? Do you get how important it is to pray for discernment? Do you get how important it is to be a student of the Word of God yourself? Now think for a second. Personally, let's personalize this. How, think how long you have waited for Jesus to return. And think about how badly you want him to come, especially with the world going the way that it's going right now. I want you to listen to this verse that we're going to go through, Isaiah chapter 9. We're going to read 1 through 7, and I want you, I want you to think how long you, uh, for, you've waited for Jesus to return. And when you listen, uh, when you listen to this verse... The same verse, by the way, that they would have, the Jews would have been reading in expectation of their king, the king they wanted Jesus to be is in this verse too, all right? This perspective challenge. It's like a game show. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 1 through 7, let's read. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. I like it already. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the future, he will honor Galilee of the nations by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan. Does anybody know what region he's talking about? That's Capernaum. You know, Capernaum was the hub of Jesus' ministry while he was here. Not to give it away. Verse 2. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. Of those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. Oh, how beautiful. How beautiful is this language. Verse 3. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. Verse 4, for as in the day of Midian's defeat, you know, when Midian defeated, do you, do you remember who defeated Midian? Gideon, right? So Gideon, we'll come back to that. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Now, you ma- now it's, guys, imagine, you're... you're a, an occupied Jew 
occupied in your land, your nation, by an outside foreign force, and you're reading this, you've been reading this for generations. The rod of the oppressor, right, will be broken. Verse 5, every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. And then verse 6, straight out of nowhere, right? For to us a child is born. To us a son is given. This is a, wait a minute, this is a Christmas verse, I thought. Huh? You know, we've got six weeks till we're teaching on Christmas. That is insane. Does that not seem crazy to anybody else? We'll be talking a lot about this in, in a few weeks. Unto us a child is given. To us, a son is given. A child is born, a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Amen. Jesus, Yeshua HaMashiach. Verse 7, of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end, no end. He will reign on David's throne. Whew, I got chills right now. And over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Amen? That should sound great to them, right? Sounds great to me. When they read this scripture, rather when they read it, what do you suppose that they saw that they liked? Let's take a look. Can you see that? We have a graphic for you guys. Here's what they saw. They saw King David's lineage. Huh? Yeah? King David's lineage. The breaking, the bonds of oppression. Gideon is referenced. You remember the story of Gideon, right? Outnumbered, outnumbered victory in war. I'm an, as an oppressed person, I like the sound of this guy, right? This is the guy we need now, right? And he will reign forever. Whew, come on now. Do you know what I see when I read this scripture? Well, let me ask you, what do you see when you read this scripture? Because I see Jesus, Okay. Why do I see Jesus? Let's see that next graphic. Those walking in darkness, they've seen a great light. King David's lineage, I see that too. That first one now. That first one, we talked about that last week, didn't we? This little light of mine that shines, right? Exposes the deeds done in darkness. King David's lineage, Capernaum, right off the bat. That's directly mentioned in this Isaiah scroll prophecy. He'll, that's where he'll be. It'd be great, great honor to Capernaum. Home base of his ministry. Gideon. You know, I don't see, they, they, when they read Midian, they must have thought, oh, outnumbered. We're outnumbered now by the Romans, right? Great victory in war. I read Gideon and I think, you know, he humbled the land. <laughs> humbled the land with a champion that was the least in his tribe. The least. 
and yes, I see he will reign forever. But then, of course, verse 6, I see this. I see a child. I see a counselor. I see God. I see the Father. I see peace that he will bring, church. Like I said a minute ago, every Christmas, we run down a number of the scriptures that, that prophesy the coming of our eternal King and Savior. And I always ask the question every year, I say, how did they miss it, right? And then I, I advise on ways that we can miss him if we're not careful. I, I teach that every year, and I'm going to do it again because I think it's so important. Hmm. Well, add this to the list. How did they miss it? Take this, look at that last bullet point. Child, counselor, God, father, peace. Now I'm going to take that list, that order. See that? Child, counselor, God, father, peace. I'm going to reverse it now. Can I see this next graphic? I'm going to, I'm going to read them to you in reverse order just for dramatic effect, all right? Is that all right? They wanted war, peace. How did they miss it? Well, he's going to come in peace. They wanted war. The father, what does the father bring? A father brings correction. They didn't want to hear it. They wanted what they wanted. They, they read that verse, and they saw what they needed, and that's what they wanted to the extent and to the point that that is only what they would accept. It began, it began to become so much what they expected that they would not accept anything else. God. He would be God. They wanted a man. They wanted a general. Even right now to this day, they're still waiting for the Messiah to come. They're not waiting for God. They're waiting for a man. And I'm telling you, whoever builds on that temple will be their man. It won't be Jesus, though, though he'll eventually claim to be. Counselor. They weren't looking for advice. They weren't looking for advice. And a child. Uh, they likely never made it this far. Thus, they would have learned the story of his birth. And it was obviously lost on them by that point. Not on the Magi, but on them. So put yourself to this test today, right? Today, I started out talking. I said, this is going to be a perspective challenge. Put yourself to the test today, please. Have you still not found what you're looking for? Have you still not found what you're looking for? What is it that you are looking for? How about that? Is it a narrative that eases your conscience? Is it a narrative that eases your conscience or fits a preferred narrative of the world? Because there are a lot of people running around with their ears closed right now and their eyes shut right now. And a lot of them go to church every Sunday. Hmm. My advice is this, the road less traveled, church, is always the difficult one. It is always the difficult one, but it's always more rewarding. Challenge yourself, push yourself, challenge your perspectives. This passage displays prophetic qualifiers Prophetic qualifiers, not only in circumstance or an accomplishment, but the very attributes and character that our king will have. Attributes a king of men could never have. Can I see those attributes? Let's read them. A father to the fatherless. How many 
are fatherless in this world. He'll be a father to the fatherless, counsel in time of need and otherwise, bringer of peace in the storm. Come on, Lord Jesus. Amen. Our creator himself who brings us to a place of completeness. Amen. My peace I leave with you, Jesus said. My shalom I leave with you. In the Hebrew, shalom means completeness, fullness. And rest. Does that sound good to anybody listening today? Sounds pretty good to me. I'll take it. <laughs> what does it mean to be king? Psalm chapter 24, verse 10 reads Who is this king of glory? Who is this king of glory, the Lord of hosts? He is the king of glory, Selah. Selah? Where's little Selah V? There she is. That word host, I find interesting. I see that definition. This is the definition of that in the Greek. Hosts. The Lord of armies. <laughs> Organized armies, the Lord of angels, the Lord of the sun, the moon, and the stars. He is the Lord of all creation. Of war, warfare, service, go out to war, service, church. He will come. Do you know that? He will come. And he will bring an army of angels. And the righteous as well. He will bring the hosts, because he is the Lord of hosts. He who set the sun, the moon, the stars in orbit, who set them there to be for signs and for seasons, for signals, he will set all things right. And I can't wait. I don't know about you. But he will set all things right. That day is coming. He is that king which they hoped for. The manner in which he came, though, mm. didn't fit the bill the first time when the suffering Messiah arrived, but he will come and fill that ticket. Revelation chapter 17, verse 14 reads, These shall make war with the Lamb, and the Lamb shall overcome them. For he is the Lord of lords, the King of kings, and that and they that are with him are called and chosen and faithful. Revelation chapter 19, verse 16 reads, And he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. Amen? He is and shall be the conquering king who makes all things right and new. And that will be great, won't it? Oh, King Jesus. Mm. You know, that will be great that day that it comes. But I do have to say this, church. For me, it won't be greater than what he's already done. It won't be. The king, the king that he has already showed himself to be so good. 
So we began today by reading the description of the king, the, the king the Jewish people expected. You remember, uh, he was to, can I see that graphic again? He was to observe and enforce, right? Do we have that? Maybe you have to, there we go. Observe and enforce, defend, be just and righteous, be in right standing with God, in other words. This is really, I like this a lot. I mean, this is pretty good. This is really the test we should put our candidates up to, if you ask me. <laughs> so if you're not sure what to think about either of these guys, right, that are wrestling for the crown right now, put them to this test, huh? Put them to this test and ask yourself, who do I trust? Who do I trust? The Pharisees didn't see any of this any of this when they looked at Jesus. None of it. They saw a threat to their own personal power. They, the way they had made this up to be, the, when the Messiah came, he was going to probably make me richer. He'll probably promote me, right? So, they didn't see any of this when they looked at Jesus. Do you see it when you look at Jesus? I do. I do. Because he <laughs> is observant of all things, primarily your heart, number one, right? Number one. Does he enforce his word? Well, I, I, the Holy Spirit's pretty good to me in regards to convicting me, bringing correction, right? He's a father, right? Brings correction in such a way. Is he just? Is he righteous, church? I think that's a big yes, huh? So I want to read to you guys Philippians chapter 2, verse 1 through 11. Uh, you know I've got my favorite translations, as I mentioned a minute ago. Um, sometimes I like to go to the message translation, which is not, honestly, if you're going to ever, it's not my favorite for studying, doing deep study, because it's, this, it takes the scriptures and it says that in a very American way of speaking, conversational, I guess is the word, right? Takes scripture and puts it into a conversational text. And so it's not the best for deep study and all of that. However, some passages, the way it's written, just, I think, speaks to us culturally. So I want to read you the message translation of Second Philippians chapter 1 through 11. Let's read it together. Do we have it on the screen? If you've gotten anything at all out of following Christ, this is Paul writing to the church in Philippi. If you've gotten anything out at all out of following Christ, if his love has made any difference in your life, if being in a community of the Spirit means anything to you, if you have a heart, if you care, then do me a favor. Agree with each other. Love each other. Be deep-spirited friends. That sounds pretty good these days, doesn't it? Don't push your way to the front. Don't sweet-talk your way to the top. Put yourself aside and help others get ahead. Don't be obsessed with getting your own advantage. Forget yourselves long enough to lend a helping hand. You're seeing some character qualities here, aren't you? 
Think of yourself the way Jesus Christ thought of himself. He had equal status with God, but didn't so much of but didn't think so much of himself that he had to cling to the advantages of that status no matter what. Not at all. When the time came, he set aside the privileges of deity and took on the status of a slave. He became human. Having become human, he stayed human. It was an incredibly humbling process. He didn't claim special privileges. Instead, he lived a selfless, obedient life and then died a selfless, obedient death. And the worst kind of death at that, a crucifixion. Verse 9, because of that obedience, God lifted him high and honored him far above anyone or anything ever, so that all created beings in heaven and on earth, even those long ago dead and buried, will bow and worship before this Jesus Christ their King and call out in praise that he is the master of all to the glorious honor of God the Father. For all of your hope and expectations of our king that is to come, the wrongs that we want to be set right, justice that we want to see him set in place, let's not forget who this King Jesus really is. Are you with me? Let's not forget who this King Jesus really is and what his priorities were, okay? Vengeance is on the docket, guys, all right? It is on the docket. It will come. The Kraken will be released, all right? But it's not on the top of his list. It's not on the top of Jesus' list. It's on the top of Sidney Powell's list, right? Thank God. But it's not on the top of Jesus' list. You know what's on the top of his list? Mercy. We watch the news and we see these animals in the street. Jesus is waiting for them. He's not giving up on them. You understand? They've been manipulated. They've been played. Yeah, they're, they're lashing out in hate. Do you have any idea what they must think of the people they're attacking to be that, to behave like that? They have been manipulated and abused, the church. And you see their mugshots. Have you ever gone and looked at some of their mugshots? It should break your heart. It should break any Holy Spirit-filled Christian's heart. I've seen a lot of posts of people laughing at the mugshots because look at these people, they're trash or whatever, right? It should break your heart. <sighs> Jesus is Jesus. He loves them. He wants, to, he wants to bring them out of darkness. That's our King, Jesus. Amen? Perspective challenges today, right? Vengeance is not on the top of his list. It's not on the top of his list. And thank God, for my sake, it's not. Amen? And all of our sakes. Amen? All right. So I started the day saying uh, we're going to do perspective challenge. Here's application points. Note takers, get excited. Here's some notes for you, all right? They're not on the screen. You're going to have to pay attention and write fast, okay? All right. The, this main, 
You may not think that this is important for you personally, okay? I know we do have a lot of mature believers in this church. But it is important for the church at large, I believe with all my heart, okay? Application questions, points. What narratives do you believe unquestioned? Challenge yourself. What narratives do you believe unquestioned? There shouldn't be one, right? You can't, don't trust the news media to know the facts, okay? That boat has sailed, okay? Whatever outlet it is, all right? What narratives do you believe unquestioned? What narratives do you believe about Jesus unquestioned, by the way? A lot of people, a lot of us were brought up with bad doctrine, right? What I say earlier, it's politically and spiritually, religiously as well, right? Uh, question two, what narratives, this might get personal, what narratives do you cultivate as well? Maybe part two to that. Part one, what narratives do you believe unquestioned? And also, what narratives do you cultivate or continue unintentionally? All right? There are a lot of people, there are a lot of people out there that love Jesus that need to do this and need to challenge themselves, okay? Because if you're not questioning the narratives and you're just regurgitating them, that becomes part of the problem, doesn't it? All right, so the kings of men, church, uh, they, they are often, the kings of men, they are often uh, just the ones that men have set up for themselves. We studied that last Wednesday night in Hosea, right? They're often they're just the ones they've set up, to, set up for themselves to further their political or their, fi- their financial gain, to further the political and financial gain of those who are already in power. Often that's just who these guys are, right? But every so often, okay, every so often, there is a king that God himself sets on the throne. We know that from Scripture, don't we? There is. And it changes the course of history every so often. You know, it was with little pomp and circumstance, little pomp and circumstance that Jesus came into the world, and it was no different when he left This mortal life, Matthew chapter 27, verse 37 reads, And they put up over his head the accusation written against him. This is Jesus, King of the Jews. The day is coming that he will make a grand entrance, church. In closing, the day is coming that he will make a grand entrance, but he hasn't made it yet. He hasn't made it yet, and you can be sure that it's for a reason. And that reason is love. That reason is love. As hard as it is to watch some of the unanswered for uh, injustice and violence in this world, don't let that be lost on you, church. Don't let it be lost on you. That The reason he waits is love. With every eye closed and every head bowed, If you're here today, and perhaps the Holy Spirit is challenging your perspectives, I want to give you a moment just to go before the throne, before the throne of your king, and just lay your heart down, whatever it is. And if you're here today, If you're here today and you're realizing, you know what, maybe 
I'm just buying some narratives that I, I shouldn't be. I'm not challenging them. I'm, maybe I am somebody who's just believing what they want me to believe. Maybe I'm just continuing to regurgitate a false narrative. Whatever it is, church, I don't know. But this is a time for us to take ownership, and it's a time for us to, to put our hearts before the Lord and ask for discernment and wisdom for such a time. Let us be people. Let us be a people that speak bold, boldly in truth because we love. Because we love, we speak boldly and we speak the truth, not because we uh, hate. <laughs> not because... Not because uh, the love of Jesus has been lost on us. That we are, we've grown so tired of the injustice that we ourselves have let hate grow in our hearts. Let, let that not happen to us, church. Let us remember why Jesus waits and the reason is love. If that's you and the Lord is moving on your heart right now, no one's looking around, just raise your hand. You can put it right back down. Thank you. Bring it before the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. And put it right back down. And if you're here this morning and you want to rededicate your heart and your life, and actually, Leith, could I invite you up, brother? If you're here this morning and you want to rededicate your life, maybe you need to flush out some hate. You need to flush out maybe some anxiety. Maybe you need to flush out some bitterness, whatever it is. Ooh, let's do that. If you need to flush out any bitterness or hate in your heart, right, raise your hand. Give it to the Lord right now in the name of Jesus. Yeshua, that's real, isn't it? The Holy Spirit, thank you for that. Now, if you want to rededicate your life and you want to ask for that discernment, let's pray together. Let's pray out loud. Jesus, I believe that you're God. I believe that you love me. Lord, come into my heart. Clean it out, Lord. I don't want to hold on to bitterness. I don't want to hold on to hate. Lord, I want to walk in love as you walked in love. I want to be bold in the truth, but because I love, Lord, cleanse my motives. Make me more like you. And walk with me every day. Now let's say this. Let's say it in unity. If nobody's ever said this before, we're doing a rededication, or maybe somebody online is doing this, let's say this out loud so no one says it alone. Say, Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross for my sin. I believe that you rose from the grave on the third day. And because you live, I live. Lord Jesus, come into my heart and make me new. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen. amen. We love you guys so much. Thanks for being here today. Man, how blessed are we for this in this space? Invite a friend. Tell everybody what God is doing here. Amen? Amen. May the Lord bless you. May he keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you. May he give you favor. His grace be upon you. May you prosper in all you do. And all God's people said, amen. in Jesus' name, amen. We love you guys. Thank you.